The Santa Claus 2 arrived eight years after the first entry to tell the story of Tim Allen's incarnation of Father Christmas, finding himself a Mrs. Claus. There's also a robot Santa, who goes all dictator on the elves. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. Oh, a battle of wits. It's a shame you're unarmed. <laughs> this is a movie podcast. Uh, we are working our way through the Santa Claus series. Uh, this is going to be the Santa Claus 2, which came out in 2002. Just, uh, just a little eight-year gap between the first and second movie. Barely even noticeable. <laughs> uh, so, yes, that is what we're going to talk about. We'll start spoiler-free as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we do go into spoilers. Uh, but yes, so obviously we talked about uh, the Santa Claus last time, uh, a film that we'd both seen growing up, uh, but I have not seen this one before. This was a first time watch for me, uh, the sequel. And I certainly have seen it before, but I think some scenes from other movies have wormed their way into my memory because I remember there being a lot more to this movie. I'll be honest, I didn't really know what this movie was going to be, except for that I read that it was you know, something to do with finding Mrs. Claus. That was the only right. tidbit I got going in of what it was. Uh, mm. I was not expecting a duplicate dictator Santa, which uh, <laughs> we'll get into in good time. Uh, I, I feel like A and B just go right together. How can you tell one story without the other? I, I know. They fit together so perfectly. Yeah. Uh, so... Naturally, with this sort of time jump, you, and the fact that they actually do bring the vast majority of the cast back, which I wasn't expecting. I was pretty sure Judge Reinhold was done with acting by this point, but here he yeah. is. I mean, I thought, obviously, you got to have Tim Allen back, but besides that, I didn't think anybody, especially after eight years, was particularly required to return. What's wild is I actually clicked on the third movie to see if like most people were back for that as well, and it looks like mm -hmm. they are. <laughs> I mean... So, if Disney was giving them the money, I'm sure they weren't turning it down. Uh, but... Absolutely. Uh, including the new addition to this movie is, is back for the next one as well. So uh, we'll, right. we'll get into all that. But yeah, obviously that means that his son has grown uh, mm -hmm. quite a bit. And that's the sort of role that I would expect might have been recast because maybe they thought, oh, this kid turned into a shit teenage actor, so we'll get another teenager yeah. to do it. But no, it's him. Mm -hmm. It's the same guy. Yeah. So I mean, that, that was the part that because, you know, it was such a young age starting out to what he is now. He mm -hmm. hit puberty. He looks completely different. If you told me it was a different actor, I would have believed you 100%. But, nah, same guy. So, good on him, I guess. Yeah, so you've got that. The only role that I can tell was recast at a glimpse mm -hmm. uh, is is basically the... Uh, jo jo is Jody? Judy? Whoever the elf is. Judy? The yeah. elf that makes the cocoa is... And that's just purely because the elves aren't supposed to age, so they couldn't... Literally, the girl from the first movie is like 15 mm. by the time this came See, out. you say that, but now that... Because I didn't remember her name from the first movie until you said it. The, uh, the, the name of the elf in this movie is Abby. Oh, was it? Yes. So... Okay. I guess it's just her twin sister who lives at the South Pole. But she's clearly the same role in the sense that she's yeah. got the same attitude, she makes the cocoa, like it's the same character. Yeah. 
Just with a different name, but fair enough. So technically not a recast, but it, it's a recast. Just let's call it what it is. It's it's absolutely. So, uh, but other than that, yeah, everyone's back. There's a new little sister character who's like mm-hmm. seven, which you know makes sense. She wasn't in the first movie, uh, yeah. so she's she's at that age. Uh, the ex-wife's back. Judge Reinhold's back. Uh, we have the head elf back, which is funny because in the first movie, he's obviously I think he was like fifteen, sixteen when they made that movie. Yeah. Uh, now he's kind of turned into typical Hollywood, where he's a 24-year-old pretending <laughs> to be a 16-year-old. To be fair, he's a 24-year-old pretending to be a 16-year-old, pretending to be like 900 years old. So That's fair, yes. Yes. Uh, so uh, that's, that's David Crumholtz playing that character. Uh, the main new addition uh, is Elizabeth Mitchell, who... It's actually weird to see her in a, a role from this time period, because... Uh, well, I say this time period... I've, Basically, I know her from Lost, right? She, she's she's right. you know she's from Lost. She's Juliet and Lost, and she showed up in that in like season three, which was about two thousand six, two thousand seven. Um, so it's kind of weird. I was like, oh, she was in like a, it's not a bit. I mean, it's it's a big movie. It's a Disney release movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's not it's not a Hollywood big, but it's a culturally yeah bigger movie. So it was kind of surprising to see her in this, and so I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So so we got her. She's the she's the principal at. Uh, Charlie, the kids' school, uh, mm-hmm. which you know becomes part of the plot as we go on. Uh, there's a lot of smaller roles in here that are kind of notable, though. Uh, so yep. part of the this, something set up early on is that Santa has like meetings with other like holiday characters <laughs> and other sort of mythical beings that uh, have like you know a yep. place in in modern culture. Uh, Art Lafleur is an actor, a character actor that I quite like, who plays the Tooth Fairy mm-hmm. in this. But you know, mm-hmm. I know him from. Uh, the transfers movies the blob remake you know he's in a lot of stuff uh but he's right. in here uh, aisha tyler <laughs> is right here <laughs> as mother nature <laughs> aisha tyler's the only one that i feel like she came into the role and they were like okay we have to like she has to be at least a little respected everyone else we could just like whatever who cares but she's the one that's treated with any sort of respect yeah and then Less recognizable because you're not used to seeing him without the makeup, but uh, Michael Dorn, who plays Worf on Star Trek, uh, mm. is uh, he was Sandman, so he's, yeah. he's got like one joke, but he's he's there. Yeah. We also got uh, Peter Boyle as Father Time. Strangely oh, enough, the recast in the other direction, where he's the same actor playing a different character. Yeah, he was the boss at the company last movie, and now he's Father yep. Time. And I guess they thought they'd get away with it because he's wearing this big beard now uh, for the I role. mean, I wouldn't have been able to tell if it wasn't for the fact of his voice being a little distinct. Yeah. That's about the only thing that gave it away. Yeah, his, his voice instantly made me go, oh, that's Peter Boyle. That's weird that they brought mm-hmm. him back in a different role. But hey, I'm not complaining. Whatever. It's, it's yeah. basically a cameo. It's not like a proper oh, yeah. role anyway. And then, just also throwing out there, there's Cupid and Easter Bunny, played by Kevin Pollock and Jay Thomas, respectively. Yeah. Uh... So yeah, most of those are basically cameos. Some get a little bit more time than others, but they're just kind of a fun little thing. Uh, the main yep. gist of this movie is that it turns out there's a second clause in the contract. <laughs> uh, that second clause is that Santa needs to get away. I, I don't know why specifically it's uh, like eight years is when this time's about to run out. Yeah. They, they never really give me a good reason for that, but... Regardless, he has to get a, a Mrs. Claus by Christmas, which is 27 days away when they bring this mm-hmm. up. And yep. if he doesn't, he can't be Santa anymore. And he basically it's an excuse for him to turn back into regular Tim Allen after a little bit because he starts desantifying. 
Yeah, that's that was a weird part to me. Like in my memory of this movie, I remember him like ever so slowly losing his Santa looks. Like it took place over the course of the entire movie to the point where he's only looking like Tim Allen for maybe, I don't know, two or three scenes. Nah, it's the flip. He's losing it for two or three scenes, and then he's just Tim Allen for yeah. most of the movie. Which, uh, it, it does, you can read that a little bit cynical, and it was just like, oh, Tim Allen didn't want to have to do with the fat suit and the makeup and whatever the whole time. See, you say that, and based off of like the trivia I saw for the last movie, where he mm. hated being in that stuff, he it, it was torture for him because they weren't like properly ventilating or anything like that. But then you throw in the second plot, where he is one hundred percent caked to the bone with nothing but prosthetic well, and makeup. Maybe, maybe that's why though he insisted on I want to just be me for most of the the, the main yeah, role because I, I'm going to have to spend so much time doing this stupid second character mm-hmm. uh, and more than that second character when we get into things a bit. But so yeah, the plot is him coming back home to deal with the fact that Charlie's getting into trouble because he's he's graffitiing the school mm-hmm. and he's getting you know threatened with suspensions and things like that. But he also has to find a wife, and uh, you know all these have to find a woman. He has to convince her to marry him in you know a month, less than a month even. Yeah. So uh, that is the the main premise, and for some reason in his place uh, Bernard <laughs> and we get this new character called Curtis, who's one of the elves who yes, he's basically like his cue. <laughs> yeah i mean i think that's the here's the thing they had a at the very end of the last movie they had a cue introduced i think his name was literally like quentin like it started mm. with the cue and he was like oh we've souped up your sleigh with all this special stuff but they were like mm, that guy wasn't available so we're just gonna go with spencer breslin well what do you mean it's not that he wasn't available he again he aged out the role considerably I mean, I guess if you want to say it like that. The fact that the head elf returned is the point that tells me that they could have just put whoever. Well, they No, because no, the, the thing is, is he's already, like, he's still the height he was, more or less, in the last movie, right? Mm-hmm. He still looks kind of like him because he'd already went through puberty. You, you mm-hmm. can't do that with the other kids. The other kids, much like, much like Charlie the Sun, they all will look completely different. They'd be too tall. Okay, I don't... I don't want to get too much into this Bernard, because it no, is like Bernard no, 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 no. was always taller than the rest of them. I get it. I understand. But I just want to point out one thing <laughs> okay. is that in preparation for this show, I watched the trailer for the Disney plus series of clauses, <laughs> which is now set 30 years after the first film. I feel like I know where this is going and I'm just going to say Bernard's still there, dude. <laughs> And he's like 45. Admittedly, and he is definitely 45. <laughs> Which, you know what? That's fine. They wanted to bring him back because he's a notable actor and mm-hmm. whatever. But I'm just, that doesn't that doesn't affect this movie, though. Then this no, movie, the logic still works. The fact that they fair. are doing that in 2022 is not this movie's fault. <laughs> fair enough. I won't hold it against this movie, but I just... I, I'm saying that from a creative perspective, the only thing stopping them from bringing back previous characters is their own limitations here. They <laughs> easily could have done it. For all we know, this kid that ended up being tall, he's like six foot five, he towered over Tim Allen and everyone else. Why can't we have tall elves? I see no reason why. <laughs> so, yes. But he, for some reason, they think that the rest of the elves won't be okay with Santa being missing. So they have this plot to put him in his duplicating machine, which will make a, a toy duplicate, which is basically, mm. effectively, it's a robot. It's like a robot Santa based yeah. on Tim Allen. And 
basically, whilst Tim Allen's away in the real world dealing with stuff, uh, this Santa gets a little too dictatory and takes the, the rules and the job too seriously, and uh, that's kind of where that plot goes. So that's kind of like a subplot throughout the movie. Yeah, he's not able to make those little gimmies. He's not yeah. able to decide, like, well, we'll let it slide this time. He's like, nah, these are the rules, and the rules say every kid is naughty. Yeah, so what I thought was weird about this subplot is just that in the first movie, Tim Allen, when he was becoming Santa, the North Pole was left without a Santa, and Bernard seemed to run the show quite happily mm-hmm. without anyone you know, being that fussed about it. But for some reason, they feel the need to trick the, all the elves and lie to them that Santa's still here. I, I, don't, I don't really understand why. But. I'm, I'm going to go ahead, and because they said Santa was required back by Thanksgiving, I'm just going to say that that one-month period between Thanksgiving mm. and Christmas, Santa is absolutely crucial. And as we've okay, established, okay. it's only 27 days to Christmas, so we're in that period. No, no, you're right. I hadn't considered that. You're right. He did come back in Thanksgiving uh, mm. in the first movie. So we're in that time period. Fair enough. I'll, I'll... That being said, like you just brought up, they specifically say Bernard can handle it. They say <laughs> that in this movie. They're like, Bernard can easily handle all this. He doesn't need to make a duplicate. But, yeah plot requires it yeah plot plot needs it so therefore it must be mm-hmm. uh so yes so at, at this juncture we'll you know we'll pause here in terms of describing anything and i shall simply ask the question david what did you mm. think of the santa claus 2 this was an all-time classic 10 <laughs> out of 10 I, I see no no flaws in this at all i i will watch this year round and at no point will it ever leave my screen um no actually in all honesty i like i said there i watched this not like intentionally a lot growing up but it was just kind of something that always seemed to be on maybe it was just running on disney channel during christmas time or maybe someone had a dvd of it and it was you know it's rated g which that surprised me because nothing is rated g anymore um there's nothing in the movie that i would say would make it a pg so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, fair, but like, no, still, nothing is rated G anymore. Everyone at least goes for that little bit of PG if they're going to hit the theatrical market. But um, yeah, no, for me, I think that I, I did have a bit of rose-tinted glasses thinking back on this and watching it again now. It definitely isn't as great as I remember it, <laughs> and great being a strong word already. It, I think my my biggest describer of changing it is it's very fast it is a very fast-paced movie where Mm. you don't get to slow down for anything there's definitely some leaps in character connections and like relationships that feel like they they jump over a threshold very quickly yeah there's there's quite a bit of that uh not just the romantic side there's a couple of character relationships that feel like they, they just jump from point to point very quickly I'm thinking yeah. Tim Allen and his son in the movie. Like, there's like a weird, just very instantly we progress to this, then very instantly after one conversation we progress to that. It's just it's just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Uh, so it all just kind of feels like we're just rushing through that to service whatever the plot's supposed to be. Which you know, mm-hmm. I I think the movie's fine. Like it, it did make me laugh a couple times. Um, yeah. There is definitely some more kiddie stuff in this one versus the last one. Um, yeah. They introduced this thing where some of the reindeer like kind of talk with like noises. Yeah, I uh, as soon as that started, I was like, I had to remember that 
definitely wasn't a thing. Like the reindeer in the previous movie no. just kind of like nudged in a general direction. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because one one of the moments that made me laugh is, is the moment where I think it's comic gives uh gives uh, Kevin or Calvin rather Calvin yeah, gives, Scott Calvin gives Calvin like some side eye in a scene, mm. and that actually kind of made me laugh because it was. But again, it was because it was quiet and it was like this, just like right. this look, and they've got this you know this puppet head doing the look, and I'm like, oh, it's a decent little. But I mean, it's a very fake looking head in the sense that it doesn't look a real animal, but. Oh it, yeah, it's a nice animatronic in that it's expressive. So I was like, it's, oh, okay. it's a Disney animatronic. Yes. Like it, it could very easily be cartoonized without changing much. Although on that subject, though, uh, the effects for like the flying sleigh, but specifically kind of the dome of the North Pole, uh, mm-hmm. whenever there's anything in that kind of region, it looks pretty rough. Like the movie starts with like yeah. a plane flying over the North Pole, and all of those shots look terrible. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was actually, at first I was a bit impressed because watching this with the one prior to it, back to back, they never really expanded on that little North Pole village at all. They left it pretty much just they were in the workshop and then you didn't see anything else. This one, they said like, no, we showed in the snow globe. There's a whole little North Pole village and they have a full set built Mm -hmm. for the entire of like the center of town. But as soon as you get out to like they're they're under an ice dome pretty much as you described that's where it's the set stops and the cgi starts and yeah it's uh it's a little bit rough looking in places yeah honestly i described the whole movie as looking kind of cheap it kind of looks like a a hallmark movie at points like see what see when it's like just the actors in the real world and like we're we're doing the romance stuff or whatever i'm like Mm -hmm. other than the fact that the actors are maybe a little bigger than what you get in those movies uh right it still kind of has that kind of feel and tone to it uh, a lot of the time. Yeah, I think it's... Last movie, there was such this big thing of like, oh, we have to show, you know, him going down the chimney and the chimney changing and everything like that. This movie, all of the magic stuff, and they they specifically put in a reason why there isn't a lot of magic stuff, but all the magic stuff they do have seems to be off screen. Like, they, mm. they do as much as they can... Like, oh, hey, some magic thing just happened over there, and now we'll cut over to it once it's already done. Which is kind of weird, because it doesn't really feel like it needs to, like, it's a Disney sequel. It feels like it, and it was released in theaters, so you'd think it wouldn't be a lower budget (laughs) than the first one was, but... I don't know. It feels it. It does feel like less of a production. It feels a bit cheaper than the first one did, for whatever Mm. reason. Um... The third one may have been directed video. I can't remember I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know. We will look that up next time. Yeah, but uh, th- this one did come out in theaters, and I don't. It doesn't. It, it definitely f- just has a cheaper feel to it all the time, uh, which isn't a big deal necessarily. But it just it kind of stuck out to me as feeling a little bit, uh, right? Just you know, TV channel esque <laughs> at its quality <laughs> at times. Because uh, even even the big impressive set of the of the North Pole, it does look like a, a TV set. You know, it doesn't look like a right a tactile real thing. So, uh, it's... I mean, just looking it up now, it looks like the first movie had a budget of twenty-two million, and the second movie, the one we're doing now, had a budget of sixty-five million. But you got to keep in mind eight years of inflation in there. I don't know what the what that comes. It's definitely not even. It definitely had a bigger budget the second time around, but I can't tell you where it went. 
Probably just Tim Allen's yeah, entirely I, I, new contract. I have to imagine the, the cast, Tim Allen in particular, but the cast that all had to come back, they all get to ask for more money than yeah. the second time. And I think that's maybe where a lot of the budget got. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit odd. It's a bit odd why it feels so cheap mm-hmm. in comparison. And maybe it's just a... Maybe it's just like a, a time period thing where there was a certain look that movies in the 2000s had that if you weren't going for a specific yeah. style, they just looked naturally a bit cheaper. But I mean, I also think that it's just a thing of, like you said, this movie, it strews a little bit younger. It I does. think that it doesn't have to worry about impressing the parents as much. Like, oh, you and your kid are going to watch this. This movie is far more just, you can let your kid watch this. Yeah. And the kids aren't going to care if it's, you know, wow, the ice dome looks so real. They're going to be focused on, ha ha, Chet the reindeer, funny fart noises. <laughs> oh, there'd be farts. There'd be farts. <laughs> uh yeah um so like i would say the quality is overall a bit worse than the first one i would say that it's it's still relatively inoffensive and you know nice enough uh there's yeah. a couple of things like it does feel like scott calvin does kind of turn back into just being scott calvin a couple of times early on particularly when he's dealing with the principal at first when he's like there he talked to her about about his son being in trouble he has kind of this like Ah, yeah, some some of your uh, immature like responses are sort of starting to creep back out here, and then it just kind of goes away after a few scenes. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the principal meeting scene is the only scene where that really happens. Everywhere else, he's either extremely kind and caring, bringing on the Santa thing, mm-hmm. or he's—I mean, not to spoil too much—but when they get into him dating, he's very heartfelt and romantic as best as he can be at least that seems yeah. the only one that really sticks out to me is like no that's the sarcastic quippy one that was 95 percent of the last movie yeah it's, it's almost like tim allen's like i need to get some of me in here i need a little yeah. bit of tim allen in this movie because uh, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of it because he, yeah like the whole idea is that he's been santa for eight years and he's yeah. this kind compassionate man who's you know i mean they literally say that the the elves and a bunch of kids think he is the best santa to ever exist so i think they say kids are 85 percent happier since he became yeah. santa which is that's that's a hell of an approval rate though <laughs> so, I, I, I mean if you've got the metric use it when you can <laughs> yeah um so yeah i don't know what else to say without getting the plot and talking nah, about the scenes i mean if we're just talking about uh, overall, without getting too much into spoilers, it is it is a kid's film, more so than the first one. Whereas the first one, I felt, had a message that was very heartfelt in a family sense. This one is... I Honestly, I couldn't really tell you what the message is at the end of it. It doesn't really seem to... It's, it's still a good, like, heartwarming kind of christmas movie but it doesn't come at you with like a central theme or a central message to it it's just kind of a we threw together all the things that feel good and put it into i think you, you could have argued that there there could be an interesting arc and in like scott's like need for love and companionship that he's, you know, he's got this mm-hmm. perfect job and he's got this happy existence in the north pole and he does all these things but mm-hmm he's kind of empty because he doesn't have someone to share it with but the movie never actually gives us the impression that he's actually yeah. feeling lonely before before he's told he needs to find a wife he doesn't seem to give a shit he's, he's no. just kind of like and even then i don't think he is lonely because they go through the entire thing of showing how much he gets out of just 
having friendships with all the elves up in the <laughs> yeah. North Pole. Like, he is completely fulfilled. He's like, nah, things are great. It's only once he's legally contracted to get a wife, he's like, all right, well, guess I'll do it. Yeah, and he's not I really... do wonder... I was going to say, he's not not really excited about the prospect either. It's not until he obviously eventually falls for the one who's the the obvious candidate that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I do wonder, though, back when the contract of the Santa Claus was first made, I wonder if they had in mind, like, divorce and stuff like that. Like, I wonder if, theoretically, they could pull a thing where it's like, he just marries his ex-wife again for, like, three days and then is able to call it. Well, it also raises another question. What happened to the wife of the previous Santa? Oh, she died simultaneously. That's part of the contract. Oh, is it? She just disappeared. If, if the one there. Santa dies, the second one goes immediately. Uh, maybe they should. And it's not. It, it's not like Obi Waning. It's not like where they just disappear. Like it's gory, man. <laughs> it's horrible up there. Because that, realistically, the, if if the, if the rule was the Santa had to have a Missy's clause. Then when mm-hmm. Tim Allen first went to the North Pole in the last bit, there should have been like a, a Missy's Claus packing her bags right. and be like, well, I guess I'm done here. There <laughs> needs, There's just a council of widowed Mrs. Clauses up at the North Pole. All of them just ruling over the North Pole from behind the scenes. That would be an interesting plot. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be lovely. Uh, all right, let's that, uh, say spoilers then so we can just all talk right. about... Uh, you know, Ethan in the movie and sort of work through the various elements of it. Alright, spoilers. The Tooth Fairy is a lot bigger than you think he would be. He also hates the name of Tooth Fairy and he's concerned about his uh his his masculinity. He's, he's yeah. a nice enough guy, but he's concerned about the, his his image. And uh, what was he end up calling himself? He I mean he went through like three different names of like the plaque something or oh, another. Uh, Molar, Molar Nader. Yeah. The Molinator, yeah. Uh, took me a second to even get that to be honest I thought you said Molinator <laughs> Molinator I mean if you look on it's closed captioning it is Molinator it's only once you uh, say it out loud that you're like oh Molinator I get it I don't uh, like it but I get it yeah 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 uh, so yeah there's basically there's like an opening where this plane's flying over and this dome mm. sort of like hides the North Pole uh you know, right. not not not. I, mean, I don't mean the Arctic itself, but you know, it hides their their village, <laughs> right? You know, the the Christmassy North Pole, and mm. they uh like they do a whole thing where they have to be quiet. And there's the the one kid who starts playing the the song on the Santa toy. So there's, there's, yeah. it's, it's a whole thing. Um, it's a whole like military style DEFCON procedure. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what's weird about this though is that it was amusing enough, but all I could think was as I was watching, I was like, oh, they're setting all this up because someone finding the North Pole is going to be a part of the plot. Like, they're going to have to deal with the fact that someone's okay. looking for the North Pole there, and it never, ever comes up again. <laughs> I guess I, I didn't even consider that being a thing because I knew that wasn't part of the plot. True, true. I knew, I knew that it wasn't even going to be a thing where it was just, nah, we're just doing this because it's a fun it's, little intro. It's just this you know, it's storytelling 101. You you show the successful we've we've hidden from like outsiders successfully here mm-hmm. so that later when someone does kind of trick them or get through and discover it. Like that could be the setup of a whole plot of the movie if you, if that's what you're going to do. Like oh, North Pole's been discovered by some explorer and he wants to expose yeah. it to the world. I mean, I guess if you're looking for setup payoff, the setup in this movie was that Curtis is kind of of a screw up. He's kind of someone who doesn't succeed in the things that he needs to do. 
and that's what they were setting up with the scene but mm. yeah they they probably could have done it in a different way besides introducing this whole thing of no people can find them mm-hmm. but... it isn't magically protected it's literally just they can hear them yeah yeah uh so yeah he finds out about this wife clause uh he also finds out that uh uh, Charlie is in trouble and we see Charlie that was the other thing that I thought the movie was going to do more with actually is they introduced Charlie has like a, a girlfriend or a love interest yeah. Danielle and they, and they almost kiss in this scene where they're together and he's it's right before he grapples down or repels mm. down sorry into the basketball court in the in the school yep. so he can graffiti on the on the wall uh, up high in the wall I was like okay this is kind of neat but I was like so you're going to do a thing where he almost kisses this girl for the first time and he something interrupts it Okay, you're gonna pay that off later, right? <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna have Look, a the, later. The first, the first twenty minutes of this script were from a different draft, <laughs> and they just couldn't part with it. They, they loved it too, too much. She's only in uh, one other scene. She's in one scene yeah. later on when they're throwing snowballs at the principal's house, and that's it. You never see her again. Yeah, I mean, not to get too much into it, but the Charlie plot is definitely the biggest, like loser in terms of i'm sure it was bigger at some point and the rewrites mm. just trimmed it and trimmed it and trimmed it until finally we got to the point where it's like charlie's plot only exists to further the love interest plot with the principal but i, th- I thought because the- i thought they were going to do a mirroring thing though because you know it's a point where yeah. it's after tim allen has the first date or he, t- he has like a blind date with a woman and he comes mm-hmm. to talk to charlie and Charlie kind of opens up the, oh, he kind of likes a girl and he's, you know, he's thinking about kissing her. And I was like, oh, okay, so we're going to do some, like, parallels later when they both, like, man up and, like, you know, get brave enough to, to kiss their love interests. Right. But you never see the girl again. <laughs> you see her again. one other time. <laughs> and even in that scene, she may as well have just been a normal friend. But yeah, no, that scene was literally just, hey, dad, I'm going through some weird changes right now. And I need some help understanding them. And then Tim Allen's just like, good luck. Bye. <laughs> Dad, what's a boner and why do I keep getting it? Well, son, <laughs> shake your snow globe and that's all the advice I have to give. <laughs> that's literally what he says. He says, you're the snow globe you got from Bernard in the last movie. Yeah. Remember? He just yeah. distracts. He's like, oh yeah, that thing. Anyway, I got to Bye now. I don't have advice for you. What yeah. are you talking about? I work with a bunch of elves. I've had to turn off every bit of my testosterone. Oh, yeah, yeah. In yeah. order to make that work. Yeah. Actually, one of the things I want to talk about. So, obviously, he, he raids Comet back mm-hmm. just on his own, like a, like he's a horse, right? He just he raids Comet, yeah. who flies through the sky, back to civilization to you know deal with the, the principal thing. And, of course, mm-hmm. the second you're introduced to the principal, who's like, not wanting to spend money on Christmas decorations for the school, right. which also I feel like never pays off, and that you never see her like change her mind on that and like decorate the school like, again. There's so many yeah. things at the start of this movie that felt like they were setting up for payoff later. <laughs> and they yeah, never did. no, it, it, the payoff was that she doesn't like Christmas for some reason, <laughs> and then we get that later on, kind of, sort of, not really, but oh god, I just I, so many things. It's just you know simple script writing. Rules. Yeah, I guess, I mean, that did pop out to me when I was watching it. I was like, oh, I know that this isn't going to be a thing, but it is weird how they're bringing it up now. Like, it, it's more so for character than it is plot. Yes. Like, it's, it's, it's pulling out Chekhov's gun 
to show you that a character isn't afraid to have a gun. Not that the gun is ever going to be used, it's just to further the character. This movie has like a whole room, like a pit full of Chekhov guns that never get picked up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's baffling. Anyway. But they looked really good. So the second, of course, we're in spoilers now. So the second that you yeah. know, we introduced to her, it's like, okay, she's obviously going to be the Mrs. Claus. She's obviously mm-hmm. the love interest. We were spending time on her. She's kind of confrontational with Tim Allen. She's literally the only female who has been introduced yes. in this movie. Unless his ex-wife's going to dump Judge Reinhold, which is actually the thing I wanted to talk about just now, is okay. the absurd like, chemistry and relationship that, that now exists between uh, Calvin and and his ex-wife and Judge Reinhold, where obviously mm-hmm. in the first movie they were kind of the antagonist. Well, well, maybe antagonist is a strong word, but they, you know they yeah. were they didn't believe him. They thought he was. You know, they, they were this plot obstacle for him that he had to overcome. Yeah. They but, were antagonists in that they were introducing the conflict yeah. that he had to go through. Whereas now they're on his side. They're they're accepting mm-hmm. of what he is, and when he arrives, like he hugs both of them. Even Judge Reinhold gets in and give oh big guy, give me a hug, and yeah. they're they're cracking all these little jokes and. Yeah, there's a little bit of, like, Judge Reinhold doing a little bit of therapy talk and Tim Allen right. making fun of it. But for the most part, it's just, like, they're all happy. Where it really turns into something, so they're, they're all happy together, they're making small talk, they're talking about life, there's North Pole, they have, he has to get married, all that, and they're like, right. oh, maybe we can, I can introduce you with someone, um, blah, 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 blah. And, like, the wife, the ex-wife makes a joke about how, but you have to, like, marry someone in 27, 27 days. It took you three years to propose to me. <laughs> how the hell are you going to do this in 27 days? But there's just all these little things where, um, like, Judge Reinhold's really into it. And there's a scene mm-hmm. where, just before he goes on his blind date with someone that his ex-wife set him up with, he's right. wearing, because he's lost a lot of weight quickly because he's, like, transforming back into Tim Allen. He's not quite yeah. there yet, but he's lost a lot of weight. Um, he's wearing one of Judge Reinhold's tops, one of his uh, sweaters, sweaters that yeah. look kind of, you know, that's a waste. That's a waste to call it, but whatever. It looks it's garish. It's, that's it's, the. It's very eyesore. It's something that your grandfather might fall asleep wearing on a Christmas okay. in like the nineties or something. You know, like that's that's kind of what it looks like. Anyway, yeah. So, like. Judge Reinhold just says something. He just comes out with when Tim Allen says he's not really sure about the, the sweater. He's like, nah, you look hot. Honey, doesn't it look hot? And I'm like, you're asking your wife, which is his ex-wife, if he looks hot in this. <laughs> See, I like that scene because, like, I understand where you're coming from with it. Now that's a weird, like, point to bring up. But the fact that it was all set up for the joke of him be like, no, that's what it looks great. Like, it's it's hot. And she makes the uh she makes some sort of remark of just like well it's certainly it, it's on the inside that what counts and then like neil recognizes it he's like i thought you liked that sweater and she's like we'll talk about it and they just move on oh, like yeah. i love that moment that moment was perfect for me because it's like no let's call out the sweater thing a little bit i mean i think it's, it's so weird to he, if to, is he delusional to actually think that these sweaters are hot that they're actually attractive to the opposite sex I mean, there is something to being confident enough to think you can pull that off, but <laughs> that's about all I got. Yeah, I mean, they do, I, they definitely have diminished roles, because after this scene, they oh, basically have the, uh, the tooth-pulling scene later, and that's kind mm-hmm. of it, I think. Yeah, they're much smaller here. But then again, I don't think they have any plot. Like, no matter which plot they go with, whether it's Charlie, the romance plot, the second Santa plot, mm. there's no plot where they 
could take a bigger role. No, They're just no. here for the sake of... Now, Charlie still has to technically be living with people down here, so may as well get these characters back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, even, I'm not even complaining or critiquing it. I'm no, just, you know, yeah. kind of observing that there's definitely a lot less of them in this movie. Uh, yeah, because yeah. later on, Judge Reinhold's very excited to try and help, because later on in the movie, when they have to find a way to get back to the North Pole, there's a mechanic set up mm. that... Uh, you've only got so much magic left, Santa. Uh, this watch will tell you you've st- you've got ten units of magic left. Yeah, and he ends ten up magics of magic, whatever uh, they would be. He ends up using them all to impress uh, uh, Carol, the the principal character. Right, and because of that, he can't go back. But he's got he's got Comet, but he, Comet's gotten fat on candy, so he can't. I use mean, this Comet. is we we can't overstate. This is literally the beginning of the third act. Like yes. we're skipping most of the movie. To no, get I, I'm just I'm just explaining this tooth fairy scene because I always yeah. just mm-hmm. wrap up the Judge Reinhold and uh, X wife right, yeah, stuff, yeah. which is. Mm-hmm. Basically, oh wait, we know the Tooth Fairy. If we just, if Tim Allen can pull a tooth out, he can lure the Tooth Fairy in. That's how you call the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Uh, so they're trying to like pull his tooth out in a variety of silly ways, and Judge Reinhold's like, no, no, no you, you tie a toaster to it, and you throw the toaster down the stairs. Uh, this is what we used to do as, for, as kids for extra cash. <laughs> like, yeah. Honestly, that felt like that wasn't even Neil at that point because he no. was so enthusiastic about it. He was like, yeah, let's do this. Here's thing. a cartoon character in this scene. They did not Absolutely. resemble who he was in the first movie at all. And as soon as he says those words of get some extra cash, he doesn't like, he's not on screen again. He doesn't say another word. He is done. He's gone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So yeah. And then the punchline is the little girl, the, the little sister character comes out and says, mom, right. I lost another tooth. And it's like, ah, oh, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Perfect. Don't have to do this anymore. It's a natural, a natural tooth, uh, tooth loss. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and that's basically them. That's that's the the the, yep. the couple gone out of the movie. Pretty much, they they have nothing left to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll yeah. write them out. <laughs> so, um, so just going back to the beginning of the movie, real quick, um, the the introduction scenes when we're going through the North Pole village. We're introduced mm-hmm. to, I think, three major components. I guess four, but we already talked about the one. Three major components being Curtis the Elf and how he is the keeper of the rules for Santa. And the entire plot revolves around the fact that for literally eight years, Curtis just forgot to mention that there was a Mrs. Claus, or he overlooked it at the very least. Which, I just want to... I don't want to get too heavy in the lore of this, but it's kind of seemingly established that, like, Santa is still mortal. He still ages at, like, a regular rate, and he has to be regularly replaced. And because of that, had they not had at least, like, 300 Santas over his 900-year <laughs> lifespan, have they never gotten a Santa to live long enough to get to the Mrs. Claus? I- uh, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a good I, I, question yeah it's a, it's a very good question i mean i could buy if you say that he's aging slower now that he's santa claus or something that's fair it's uh, some magic yeah you know, whatever but uh yeah i don't have i don't i, don't, <laughs> I really don't i mean the that. only thing i could think of is that prior to this every single santa who's been brought in has already been married and they've brought a mrs claus with them mm, mm, yeah that's about the only thing i could think of and Cal- calvin just happens to have like been you know, divorced when when he's yep. brought in so yeah we have to talk about uh his his first big blind date that he has mm-hmm. 
Uh, he's set oh, up. Sorry, but the, sorry. I'm still at the beginning of the movie, though. Oh, oh uh, sure. What else cursed. should I talk about? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, they give one scene at the very beginning, and then it comes back in the third act. Chet the reindeer? Uh, yes, yes, Chet. I mean... I, reindeer? Oh, sorry, excuse me. Reindeer no. and training. Right. No, but see, he is still of the species reindeer. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and say he's a reindeer. Uh, if there is anything in this movie that makes it feel targeted for kids instead of adults, rather than kids and adults, it's Chet. And he's barely in the movie, but he brings down that age rating so far so fast. Yeah, he's, he's a reindeer who keeps crashing and can't fly anywhere properly. And like and you yells. say that the reindeer, yeah, the reindeers are all making sort of like <laughs> noises. This one is making, I, I don't know, it's baby babble is the best way I could put it. It's also kind of screaming as well at times. There's like a sort of scream yeah. that's sort of interspersed in it as well. Yeah, it's... He's constantly making like a bugle noise. He's like, da, 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 da. it's like, okay, chat, we can <laughs> like lower your screen time down to a minute and a half. I'd be cool with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you got that. Anything else from this opening yeah. you want to talk about? Um... Uh, let me just uh, the football scene when he shows oh, I how forgot, I forgot about this he shows how he, he's going around the North Pole and he's saying to all the elves like oh you're doing a great job such a cool thing and the elves prank him by dumping tinsel all over him and he's like well guys I could come up there and kick your asses he doesn't say it like that but he may as well have or we could go play some football and it's just to show how he's you know he's com- he's comrades with the elves. He's very playful. He's having fun with them. They're all his friends. And the only reason I bring it up is because it comes back in a very different way about a third more into the movie. And uh, yeah, nah, just wanted to bring that up. Sure, sure. Uh, I mean, I don't have too much to say about like the early scenes, other than the fact that he just dismisses that Charlie's getting into trouble and just. You promise you won't do it again, right? Yeah, I promise that. I mean, you say he dismisses. He is very distraught to find out that Charlie's on the naughty list. Like, he's oh, yeah, he actually is. on the list. But I'm talking about when he's actually in the, the, the you know the parent-teacher meeting with the principal, and, mm-hmm. like, the principal clearly, like, wants to suspend him, sees this as, like, a serious thing that's recurring, and mm-hmm. Tim Allen just goes, aye, but you're, you know, like, obviously I'm mad about this, and uh, he knows he's done a wrong thing. You promise not to do it again? And he's like, yep, done. We can leave. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I just I, mean, I just parented. Yeah, I would put that more to out of the two things that he's down here for, one being Charlie, the other being him having to get married. One of those things is on a time limit, and I feel like he kind of just wants to wrap up the one thing as quickly as possible to get to the other thing. Okay, it felt very in character for his character from the first movie, though. Oh. Yeah, for to have, sure. To have this attitude, which is, I guess, why it kind of stuck out, because it's the only time that he acts like his first movie self in this. Yeah. So, and it is worth pointing out, I guess, that uh, all the times that Charlie is shown vandalizing things, because it does continue to happen, it's always at the expense of this principal. Yes. Like nobody likes this principal character, and she's very anti-fun and Christmas. And- which. I feel like this idea, which is set up with with his graffiti at the start, I feel like that is kind of forgotten about as the movie goes on. Like, yeah, yeah, you've got him throwing snowballs at her house, like, halfway through the movie, and, like, that's, like, a point that comes up, but Mm. for the most part, like, 
I was expecting her to be more... Based on the first couple of scenes with him and then her, I was expecting... Like her to be this Grinch of the town, or or even this sort of Scrooge, right. like the the principles, the, the Scrooge, this, you know, making it miserable for all the teenagers, and that she was going to lighten up as the movie goes on. But literally, she spends like two minutes with Tim Allen uh, when he's volunteering for a Saturday thing, and it's like, oh, like that 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 like attitude has dropped completely, and she clearly is like, oh, like this guy's quite nice actually. I'm just going to act normal now, and it just yeah. goes away. I mean, honestly, I would put it even earlier than that. During that first scene where Tim Allen's being all quippy during the parent-teacher conference, she quite literally explains, like, I'm not anti-Christmas. We literally just cannot afford it. Like, yeah, no, the true. money has to go towards teachers and school stuff that's rather it. than decoration. I did get worried when that, that exchange was happening that it, the movie was going to have, like, no, you should always make time to spend money on the Christmas decorations because right. that's important. You know, I, I was worried it was going to have, like, kind of a weird... Take the, take the saving Christmas route of things. Yeah. So, I, I'm glad it didn't do that. I'll, I'll say that much. Mm. I'm glad it didn't. Um, so, you know, there's, like, a little bit of him talking to the, the ex-wife and stuff and, like, you know, talking about the needing to get married. Um, yep. And this entire time, his desantification is going... He's getting slimmer, his beard's getting shorter. Yeah, he's... yeah, yeah. But, so he goes on this blind date mm-hmm. with a woman that the ex-wife knows, apparently. And she comes in, like, he's already sitting at the table. She comes in, and she's very loud and animated. Whatever, is fine. But she's, <laughs> she loves Christmas. She's got a Christmas top on, and she's got a Christmas charm bracelet on. And he's like, oh, that's nice. And he's, you know, he's, he's playing nice. And you kind of get that maybe he thinks she's a bit too much of a character. But he's, he's being nice enough, or, you know, to, to play nice. And then she says, oh, like, I want to be a singer. I want to be a singer-songwriter. I can see myself getting into that. And I'm like, you're in your 40s. I don't know. <laughs> it's about weird to be saying, oh, this is the industry that I kind of want to get into someday. Like, yeah. you should at least be kind of in the process of it, if not, you know, like, at that point. But she believes, Pete. She has faith. And then she says, do you like Shania Twain? And, you know, uh, Scott's like, uh, yeah, sure. And then she sings a sort of Christmas version of Man, I Feel Like a Woman, where all the lyrics are changed to Christmassy things. But she doesn't just sing it to him quietly, like, so he can hear it. She stands up in the restaurant and starts actually performing for the, like, everyone's looking at her, he's feeling uncomfortable, and... Do you know what? I like, I'll, I'll give the character some credit here, because when she sits down after she's done... And she's like, "What you didn't like that?" He's very honest and just says, "It's a lot to take in." I'm, I'm kind yeah. of shocked that you just did that. He's, he's kind about yeah. it. He's not rude. He, he, he's not rude. He doesn't say it was terrible or that it was embarrassing. He just says, "I did not expect you to make a scene, you know, effectively." Mm. And it's you know, it's, and she just gets in a mood. It's like, well, if you don't appreciate that that I put myself out there for you when I, by doing that, then yep. there's no point in continuing this dinner. And she just storms out. Uh, so that role was played by Molly Shannon, who mm-hmm. I think her best known role is Superstar. It's a comedy movie, came out in the very late 90s. So she was she was kind of a big comedy actress right okay. as this movie came out. So definitely well known. But uh, yeah, no, it was definitely, she, I think she was big on either Mad TV or SNL. I can't remember which one she came from. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that this scene was good. But it definitely, I thought that we were going to go on 
a couple of blind dates because i guess that was in my head for some reason of mm. previous watches the fact that this was the only one i was like simultaneously thinking yeah i can see why we're not going on any more blind dates and also thinking well what are the odds that the second one's still gonna be that crazy <laughs> yeah i mean because because uh, for a second it's like oh this is perfect she loves christmas i'm santa claus yeah. like you know yeah. like she's gonna love me He's, he's sitting there thinking, pulling out the Barry Allen flash thing right away, just being like, hey, by the way, <laughs> it's me. I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm Santa Claus, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, the, you, you, you've been very nice. Uh, or very naughty, depending on how you want. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, very quickly, like, you know, the kid gets caught graffitiing again, and he's going mm. to get suspended. But he t- he, Tim Allen talks her into it. Like, no, how about just community service? So she ends up. She runs like a like you know like a community thing at the weekend for all the kids to show up. All the all the ones that are in trouble to help clean the right. neighborhood or you know wash the graffiti the off the walls. Or, yeah, yeah. So, but it's when it's when they're together there that he you know like someone's given her shit and like he joins in and like helping her out and then. All these kids are drawn to him to like tell them what, what they want for Christmas. And I think it's just the one girl. No, it's a like cuneiforms. No, that was in the first movie when he was on the park bench at the soccer thing. This is just the one girl, Pamela. I could have sworn that cuneiform behind her afterwards. Nope. Maybe I'm conflating the two scenes, but uh, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. But anyway, she, she's impressed. She's like, oh, that's really sweet. And, you know, the kid came to talk to you. Uh, Stuff like that. It's like, but how do you know your name? But, it's like, oh, uh, the, the necklace had her name on it. It's like, oh, oh, I guess I missed that kind of thing. And that's the uh, first scene because we've been skipping over the duplicate Santa plot for now. But that is the first scene where he has to use up some of his magic. Yes. So we see the watch tick down to nine units. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he uses a shit ton of it because, <laughs> like, all in one night, he uses yeah. the rest of it. Because <laughs> this is the thing. Like, he he basically. After this, like, does he go straight to her house like, that night or the next night? I feel like it has to be because, unlike the first movie, which took place over a year and didn't feel like it, this took place over like three weeks and still doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it's the opposite. It feels like it took took place over like you say like, the opposite. I feel like it took place over like four days. I don't think this took place longer than 27 days. I feel like it took place over, like, he got there at the beginning of the week, and by the end of the week, we're here. That's kind of what I meant. I don't know why I said the opposite, yeah. but you know what I mean. I, I, regardless. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So, like, he goes to her house, like, she opens the door, and it's like, oh, he's already, like, completely into her now, right? Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like the movie kind of, like, I don't know, almost like it skipped over a scene where, like, he has this realization to me. Like, it felt like he would just jump to it. But... He yeah. goes to her and he's like, oh, I was going to ask you if you wanted to go get some noodles or maybe some pie. And then she's like, <laughs> that's your idea of a night out? And he's like, well, I don't know, what, what do you want to do? He's like, oh, a pizza maybe? A movie? Uh, and then they bond over like the type of pizza, the movie they watch and all that yes, sort of stuff. Yes, they bond a little bit, but she's getting kind of, she's already kind of dressed up and he's like, oh, where are you going? And he's like, oh, I'm going to this, you know, it's the Christmas staff party, uh, mm-hmm. which... By the way, there was a tree at this staff party, and I couldn't help but wonder, like, did this not fall under the not having Christmas decorations at the school, or...? Time continuum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just, a, just a thought. Uh, but he's like, hey, I'll, I'll take you there. And she's like, yeah, well, that's great, but I kind of need to come home eventually. He's like, well, okay, I'll come back and pick you up. He's like, how about you just 
stay you go with me <laughs> is it all right then and then we cut to like well we don't cut to sorry there's another thing to get to but when yeah. we actually get to the party it's the most depressing quiet party to the point where she's she's after like just some awkward moments of silence with her just sipping their drink she goes i owe you one and then he goes ah don't be crazy this is a great party that guy just moved (laughs) (laughs) i thought i thought that there were some this i think that this one scene the christmas party taken individually and separately Mm. has a good heartwarming feel to it it doesn't particularly have a message or anything but it is just a good little cutout of like here's why it's a nice little christmas movie you add in all the extra stuff, it gets a little bit hazy, but this one scene is just a nice little snapshot of, no, this is a good way to spread Christmas joy and what. It doesn't really have a message, but it does, like, advance the plot in that it's all about kind of, like, making her kind of, like, see the, the side of him and falling for yeah. him kind of thing. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. though, the ride itself, even though he arrived there, I think, in a car, I think you see him pull up, uh, when he opens mm-hmm. the door, uh, it's the sleigh and a couple of reindeer, and, right. uh, like, that that's that's the the raid that he's going to give her is in this mm-hmm. and this uses like half of his magic that he's got left it just ticks yeah. down um and then he even uses a little bit more so it snows over the top of them at the right moment you know when it's like oh just to and make this, the, the moment perfect and this entire scene though is her getting out basically her gremlin story not yes. nearly as grotesque but it's her gremlin story of just like well i i believed in santa with all my heart and i would fight kids at school who said otherwise and one day I came home with a bloody nose and my parents told me the truth and I I never believed in anything again. And she says what some of her, her presents were growing up uh, that she yep. cared about from Santa. Uh, and this all comes back because to liven up the party, Tim Allen gets on the stage and basically says, oh, hey, there's a secret Santa thing happening here. Yeah, so, and, you know, carol's like there's no there's no pre- these presents under the tree are fake they're just they're, they're just for show because the carolers are coming later and he's right. like no no there's, a, there's another sack of presents backstage he's like what are you talking about those not and then he pulls out his sack and this is basically what's used to, like, Hold on. His magic. can we rephrase that a little bit like he pulls out <laughs> his sack <laughs> you know what I, he he reveals his sack <laughs> oh much better okay he presents his sack <laughs> he, yep he, he gets up on stage and shows everyone his sack, full to the brim, ready to burst. He unleashes his sack. He <laughs> he ushers in his sack. And yep. <laughs> so he brings out the sack of presents. And yes. he he's basically like, hey, this is for so-and-so. And so he actually names someone and that person comes mm-hmm. up and he opens the present and it's like a, a game or a toy that he liked as a kid, right? And yep. then a second person does it and it's, just, it's basically everyone gets something they cared about as a child. And it's like, no mm. one could have known about this. How did they do this? And she, you know, Carol's watching this being like, this is wild. What's going on? And then after, like, so at the end of the scene, you see like him walking through the room and like everyone's playing games with each other. The party's now this brimming with life. Everyone's happy. And yep. he hands her a present and it's like the, the doll that she really liked as a kid, this baby doll thing. Mm. Right. And she's like, but I told you this about an hour ago. How could you possibly have done this? This is uh, ridiculous. And his reasoning is literally just, don't think about it. Just just don't worry about it. Yeah, just go with it. Uh, yeah. So they end up in the hall. And she's like, you know, smitten with him at this point. And she kisses him on the cheek to thank him for doing all this. 
And then mm. she's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That was too much. And he's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And then they're going to get a smooch and then magically mistletoe appears over the top of them. And she looks up and sees it and goes, where'd that come from? Uh, and then he pulls out his sack. <laughs> well, then he looks at his watch again. And I think that was his last bit of magic was the... Uh... Yeah, he was either down to zero or one. I'm not sure which yeah. at that point. So but that's was... basically it. Like he's done. But what's funny though is the next time you see them together, they're like at her place and they're just kind of like joking like a couple and mm-hmm. like she's lying on the couch and they're very relaxed. And this is when like Charlie sees that he's the, he's there and like these friends are like, wait, is your dad dating the principal? Ew. Gross, dude. Ugh. I mean, yeah, Elizabeth Mitchell, what a horrid creature to be shacking up with. I mean, to be fair, for a bunch of what seem to be middle schoolers, who view her apparently as Satan, it is kind of something that's worth ridicule. Yeah, right. If I had a teacher like that at that age, there's no way I wasn't thinking she was hot. But no she way. hates Christmas, Pete. That just makes Come her, on. That just makes her naughty, which makes her all the more enticing. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. I, I did not buy for a second all these... Maybe the girl, but all the young boys. There's no way in hell they all think she's hideous. I'm just... It's not that they think she's hideous, it's that they think she's a hard ass, and that oh, she is okay. she is completely unrelenting in her rage and fury, which, going back to the earlier scene, a guy is caught skating in the halls, and she's like, look into my eyes, what do you feel? Oh, it's that's like they're cold that... and dark. And I that's th- your future, Tim. I, I did like that scene, actually. I, I like that yeah. scene because, like... This kid plays it completely straight, he's not trying to like add a comic twist to it, he just very seriously looks into her eyes and goes, they're cold and dark. And she's like, well, that's what's waiting for you if I have to catch you again. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, oh, jeez. Like, that scene alone struck me enough of being like, yeah, no, she doesn't mess around. This is, uh, this is someone who, if you get on the bad side of, you're not going to come back. But it's, I, again, as the story progresses, you see that it's more of just a front she puts up for mm. the students rather than someone that she is otherwise. Yeah. Uh, do you think this might be like a parallel between her and like the the robot Santa who's like getting strict and strict and more strict? Do I think there's an intentional parallel? No. Do I think they might have accidentally stumbled <laughs> upon something? Maybe. I could almost buy it was intentional, but the but it was like more of a thing and like a previous draft that got whittled down to the point yeah, where it just feels. I'm, the toy Santa thing was all about following the rules and not allowing any leeway which I could see her character doing, but it was never quite that. It was more so of just, hey, Charlie, you kind of seem like you're troubled. Like, it wasn't it wasn't that she was, like, getting kids for, you know, gum chewing or wearing mm. hats or something, anything, like, small. It was all just like, no, you literally, like, graffitied an entire wall. That's against the rules anywhere, kid. Like, I know I'm asking for trouble by doing this, but... Dare I propose that a fitting end for her arc so that she actually has a character arc herself. I mean, she kind of does, but like more one that's more personal to her. Yeah. Um, it would be that when they're confronting Robot Santa in the North Pole towards the end of the film, like maybe mm-hmm. she could grill Robot Santa out and kind of, it would be like this sort of learning thing where she says, no, you can't be this much of a hard ass on the elves because, you know, like, you have to give them some leeway so that they enjoy this time of year. They have to enjoy what they're like. You, you could have like had her learn a lesson about how she is with the kids by recognizing it in the robot Santa 
and concluding that arc, which makes which which would make her feel like she's more important in the final part of the movie, other than just being the new bride yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean that is definitely a problem that she doesn't feel important like at all by the time we hit the end. But I think the only way to manage that is if you had her again rewritten to really be a stickler on the rules and then just slowly ease up over time and then have a whole subplot in robot santa where it's like their final confrontation would be her pointing out how these rules he's enforced are like somehow contradictory and thus causing his little robot brain to explode because he's like (laughs) must follow the rules cannot follow rules at the same time paradox explosion Uh, that's about the only way i could see that working the old kirk method yes yes yeah no, I just, yeah, I'm just, I feel like, and we did this all about with the first one as well, but I, I, there's, there's definitely, like, the material here to be like, I can see the better script. I can see what yeah. the better script could be, but just a few changes and, like, making things, like, I mean, we, we were critiquing the, the first chunk of this movie for setting up a lot of things that has no intention of paying off. Or maybe mm-hmm. it did and they just got cut out of the movie. Like, that's entirely possible. Yeah, honestly, I think that's what it is, is that they probably, I think there was a draft of this script where 90% of the movie's focus was just on the romantic interest and Charlie's problems as like a student. And then after rewrite and rewrite and rewrite, at some point, maybe like a studio head or someone came in and said, you guys need to show what's happening at the North Pole. We want the magic and whimsy. We need the North Pole section. And they added in this whole toy Santa plot, which again, we will get to, but that's the part that I think felt like the add-on. I think that mm. the stuff that had more things that could be elaborated on was the stuff that Tim Allen as Scott Calvin was doing down in, where were they, Illinois, I guess, last time? I don't even remember, but yeah. I, I yeah, it's, it's a shame because that's the stuff that would improve the character stories and the character arcs and make the, the things have mm. more payoff. And I'm not saying it's like, I'm not I'm not expecting like, better call Saul levels of character arc and drama <laughs> but you, you you can have like a Christmassy film that has good character arcs and where the arcs make sense and they're more fulfilling as a result uh so you know yeah. there's definitely lacking some of that and in, in the way but see it, I think things I think that that's a change that was made with the age lowering again I think that mm-hmm. when they originally had it be and again this is assuming that it was that way to begin with had it be the focus on the romance and the family aspect of it and him you know, trying to find love for 90 minutes rather than trying to find love for 45 minutes. And then, oh, hey, what about this crazy toy Santa? Up it, he's causing all this mischief and stuff. Boy, kids, don't you like all the craziness up there? That's what brings down the age rating significantly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm leaving all that stuff intentionally to the end because uh, yeah. it just, you know, makes us talk about separately. Uh, yeah. For some reason, so he's in, in this scene. So we're still in this scene where the kids were snowballing the, the house and, Mm. you know uh, calvin's in there with her and they seem quite happy they're acting quite coupley and then he tries to tell her she's he's santa claus <laughs> and she's like you're making fun of me uh this is bullshit <laughs> how dare you i mean uh, to be fair i think they are only like two or three days out at this point like oh, yeah. it is extremely clear he has to do this now it has to happen yeah so he's he's telling all these santa claus and i'm like why not like take her and show her, like the, the reindeer you've got in the back garden and say, right. okay, now that you've seen something that might help prove what I'm about to say, now I'm going to tell you. <laughs> like, but he just See, that's he just brings it up in the living room, and I'm yeah. like, why would you're not showing her? Like, 
maybe if you'd left one bit of magic left for you to that's what i was gonna say you know yeah i think that this story i think it perfectly limited down like no he had to hit zero magic at this point because if he were actually able to do anything because what finally ends up convincing her that santa like he really is santa in the is the most lackluster thing imaginable it's just the snow globe lights up hey, and hey, shows hey, things. Hey, it's more than what the ex-wife and Judge Raynell got in the last Fair movie. enough. Fair enough. Uh, but no, it is... I think that if he had any magic at all, that he was able to literally just, like, direct her eyes towards and say, hey, watch this, and then he, you know, makes presence appear out of nowhere, that would be enough to cause it. So yeah. he specifically had to not have enough magic in order to make it so we get the... Oh no! It's the he's making fun of me, so we can't be together. But somehow we'll still end up together. Well, actually, I think one of the most undercooked things in this movie is Charlie's decision to go and like sort of you know fight on or his dad's behalf. Yeah, know, he's already been back to the North Pole to deal with the other thing, and he goes to see her and says, "Hey, you know, I'm going to talk." About, which actually, yeah. So on Charlie, right? So Charlie yes. has like a sort of like moment of honesty with calvin where he finally says mm-hmm. why he's like acting out and doing what he does and it's the most unbelievable thing i have ever heard come out of like a 14 year old in my life like 14 he, year old yes i will agree with the age being wrong here yeah oh no if he was younger mm-hmm. i could maybe buy it right yeah but i cannot think of anyone over the age of say 12 who would be upset that they couldn't tell everyone what their dad does for a living. Like, you do the most amazing thing of all, and I can't tell anyone. All these other kids are talking about what their dads do, and I'm like, are they? Are they really talking about it that much? Okay, so reframing it slightly, I think that it's less so more that he's, like, unable to participate in these imaginary campfire stories where everyone's talking about how cool their dads are. (laughs) I don't think that's actually happening. I think he just used that as the opening argument to get into the more core of the story of like, he essentially knows that Superman is his dad and yet he is unable to tell anybody. Like, it's more so not that I want to share my dad is awesome. It's more so that I have this incredible secret and it eats at me all the time. Like, I need to share this with someone. I think that's more so what it is. And he ultimately shares it with his sister, which I actually did kind of like this running plot where the sister kept being like, is Uncle Calvin, is he Santa Claus? Like, mm-hmm. and what makes you say that? You've got a reindeer. Tons of people have reindeers. Name five. They're all from Finland and I can't pronounce their names. <laughs> um, and then, you know, she asked the brother later and then mm-hmm. eventually when the brother like chooses to bring her down and sort of show, hey, it is like my dad is Santa Claus, um, you know, whatever um mm-hmm. like you know it, actually honestly, it, is worth, no- the, the it little- is worth noting that the little girl is the one who makes charlie's plot go into overdrive pretty much where he has the fight with scott and then i think it's literally the next scene the little girl lucy is like are you mad at uncle scott and it's like yeah i am well don't be okay and then he goes and fixes his relationship with the principal. Yeah. Well, like, that, that's what I was getting at, is his decision to go and do that is so undercooked. It just it comes mm-hmm. out of, like, not nowhere, but it might as well be nowhere because it's so yeah. rushed. Uh, there's, it's not like he's saying, oh, my dad's upset because he's lonely, so I should go and fight for him. And, like, sort of, even though I don't like her personally, I should go and try and talk to her kind of thing. Right. It's not like that at all. It's literally just a sister going, 
don't be mad at him. He's your dad. <laughs> and then she walks away. Yeah. Uh, that said, though, I do think Lucy as a character is actually one of the more likable characters in the whole movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because she's so innocent and earnest and her kind of trying to sleuth out that her, like, I, she calls him uncle, which I, I guess is the best thing to call him. But, like, I was going to say, what, what, what do you call your. Uh, your half brother's birth dad that's not even I related mean, to you. Technically, it would be mom's ex husband. But also half brother's dad. Yeah. But I mean, that's the same thing. I, is, I feel like but... mom's ex husband is the closest. If you're going by blood, yeah, it would be my half brother's dad. I'm sure there's no actual term for it, or if there is, it's stupid as hell. But uncle seems reasonable. I, that's fine. Uncle's just that catch all for like, yeah. yeah, a friend of the family. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, like, I, I, I think, uh, his progression, it feels like a lot of stuff got cut out, whether it was oh, cut yeah. out in the script, whether it was cut out in the edit, I don't know, but. I mean, you're, you're right in that his plot is definitely the least amount because, I mean, if you just look at it, there's maybe like six scenes he's in and I would say only three of them, the borderline puberty scene, the scene where he's being honest and the Lucy scene. Those are the only ones who don't directly relate to him getting his father and the principal together. Yeah. They're, that's the only remnants of a plot being able to stand on its own, and they're shaky at best, so. Yeah, uh, so I guess this is where we we shift over and talk about the, the toy Santa going rogue and yeah. <laughs> deciding that everyone's naughty. Oh, which reminds me, there's a reference at the start which is aged very poorly. Uh, so uh, yeah. So oh, God. basically, a uh, little not not Judy, whatever the new one is. Uh, mm-hmm. she comes in and she's giving giving him cocoa, and he's like, "Okay, what's the bad news?" You give it, and we know that he's getting bad news about the the, you know, the, the Mrs. Claus thing. Uh, mm-hmm. like he needs to get a wife, but like this is separate bad news. And it's like, whenever you give me cocoa, it's the sugarcoat bad news. What's the bad news? And she hands mm-hmm. him the naughty or nice list, and she's like, "It's Charlie," and he goes. Charlie Sheen, but I thought he straightened everything out. And I'm like, oh, geez, that is not age well. Nope. <laughs> they uh, hedged their bets and it didn't work. Oh, he's, he, you know, all I could think was winning. <laughs> so, you know, which, oh, which is pretty old now at this point, actually. But, like, oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it, 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 it was like, why wouldn't he think of his son Charlie first? Why would he think of a celebrity? He could. There's no way that his little boy Charlie was on the naughty list. That's not even something that could have popped into his head. I, I, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it, it was a bit of a forced joke, and it's a forced joke that's aged very poorly. So. Yeah. I mean, there aren't a lot of, at least that I noticed, pop culture references. That no. was one that really stuck out like a sore thumb where it's like, oof, yeah, that's uh, that maybe one that should have hit the editing floor. Yeah, yeah, that was the only one, really. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's mostly just self-contained humor, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so they make this duplicate, uh, who looks very sort of plastic and all that. And I, I, you know, I'll give them credit. There's a jump cut uh, in here that is quite funny, where like they're saying to Bernard, you have to like lie to the elves and like convince mm-hmm. them that this is Santa, and he says, "I will not lie to all the elves." Cut to him saying. And, you know, he's sensitive about the look, so whatever you do, elves, don't say the word plastic. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I believe I believe that's called the Gilligan cut, where it's Gilligan like, cut. I'm absolutely not gonna do it. Mm. And then immediately wipe to, hey, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, that's that's all fine, fine and well. Um, mm-hmm. I think where I got a little chuckle out of this plot is where he actually he enlarges like the toy soldiers, so he's got an army. He like mm-hmm. if and he even gets that outfit where he's got like a black beret on and he's got like a black outfit. Yeah, he goes full dictator of the North Pole. Yeah, and I'm like, damn, you're really going all out with this imagery here and him having an army. And he locks oh, yeah. all the elves in like the, the the workshop, and he's like, no, every child's getting cold because they've all done something bad. So. Right. He's literally, he turns them into like a sort of prison work camp where he's making them like chisel coal instead of, uh, <laughs> you know, build toys or whatever. So I think that my favorite moment in this plot was his earliest scene, not the one where he comes out of the machine, but he's basically, he sat down in Santa's office and he's, he has some of Santa's memories apparently, but he doesn't know basic things like how to eat or drink, which I never understood that in amnesia plots of like how much actually gets lost here. But in terms of this movie, like they present him with a thing of hot cocoa and he, they're like, all right, careful. It's very hot. And Curtis is just off screen, like showing him like, just do this, do this, lifting up the uh, glass to his mouth. And then Santa just downs the whole thing all at once, scalding his body. But he immediately is, I mean, they literally quoted here. It's like, I think that Coco gave me a bit of a buzz. Like, he is often ready. And I think that Tim Allen had a lot of fun doing this particular part. I think his performance in general in this part is, uh, like, this role, I say, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, is where he got to probably do the most weird stuff and have just fun just being wacky with it. Because he's, mm-hmm. he's sort of doing this thing where he's constantly smelling this fake smile and he's constantly sort of like chomping his right. mouth in a weird way as he talks. Um, it, it feels like this is like, okay, he's getting to just let loose here and just go mm-hmm. run with this concept and idea. And there's the odd little moment that's kind of amusing where he, you know, he'll sort of say ho-ho too many times and Bernard's like, you know, kill it on the ho-ho-hos. So then he says ho 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 again, but he sort of emphasizes only one of them. So he's right. like ho 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 ho, ho. <laughs> like and just sort of stuff like that. Um, and it, at one point, because I did promise I would bring it up, they tell him like, "Hey, uh, you aren't allowed to touch the naughty and nice list." And in order to try to distract him, they tell him, "Hey, why don't you go play football with the elves?" And he decimates them. He destroys <laughs> these poor little children out on the face on the football field. It is horrifying and yet so enjoyable to watch <laughs> yeah so he's going full dictator and you know tim allen gets back with uh with the tooth fairy uh, and the tooth mm-hmm. fairy he he flies back quick because obviously he's going to reappear with more passengers uh very soon later on yeah. uh because not even that long after tim allen arrives but uh you know he's He's running around with Curtis, and they're trying to deal with things and and sort things out. Um, mm-hmm. But the the big sort of save is the we see the, so a callback to the first scene we had with Charlie, where he had like the uh, the grapple, and he's sort of like mm-hmm. you know going down into the through the roof. Uh, he does that here in the North Pole. He comes down to the skylight mm-hmm. uh, to help because he's tied up at this point. The robot Santa's tied him up because the robot Santa is taking the sleigh. He's going to deliver coal to everyone. It's Christmas Eve. Right. And then it's after, just after he's leaving, uh, well, I think it's not till he left you. I think when they untie Tim Allen, they like run into the the you know the the, yeah. the garage, and he's just taken off. So they just sort of like, miss him at that just, point, like by two seconds max. Yeah. But uh, I do the... want to point out though that real quick, the they bring up Charlie and uh, the principal, 
yes, Carol. Yes, Carol's they bring there. them both up via the Tooth Fairy. And they have this weird little, I wouldn't even call it a plot, but just like this weird little thing where they keep on pointing out that they used one of Charlie's teeth, which mm-hmm. those are definitely like adult teeth. Oh, yeah, those yeah. Are not, say it, sure. Like yeah. they ripped out just an adult tooth and he's just like, yeah, don't worry about it, dad. But like not to get too much behind the camera here, I had some teeth taken out like a couple weeks ago. He would not be able to stand. <laughs> he is he is down on the ground right now. Either that or he is drugged out of his mind. <laughs> it's, it's magic, that's all. Yeah, no. I, I, to be fair, Tooth Fairy probably would be able to do something, being the Tooth Fairy and all. But I, I like how, fast forward to the end of the movie, as soon as they uh, tie the knot up at the North Pole... They just cut over to Charlie, and he feels his mouth, and then the tooth is back. Magic. All of a sudden. Yeah, why not? Absolute magic. Sure. Clock strikes midnight, you get your teeth back if you're at the North Pole. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, so obviously Tim Allen has to ride all, all, all the reindeer with the sleigh, except the reindeer in training. All the... Mm-hmm. What was it? Chet. Chet, there you go. So we get this awful, and it really is bad, like we're... It's all just this green screen stuff of him him riding a reindeer alongside the robot Santa in the sleigh, and it just all mm-hmm. looks like shit. <laughs> like, it looks terrible. Yeah, and it's also doing that thing where, you know, they're both Tim Allen, so you never... I mean, not never. You very infrequently see both of them on screen at once. Mm-hmm. They can't keep on making it a two-shot where it's like, oh, Santa's here, and Tim Allen's there, and they're... You are they're fighting each other, but we'll never actually see them on screen fighting each other. Yep. Uh but of course ultimately uh, Tim Allen's able to like climb into the, the sleigh and take control mm-hmm. or uh I do I do want to point out there was one call to Tim Allen's career of in Toy Story. They had the toy robot say, You are a sad, strange little man, which is a quote from Buzz Lightyear. Ah, okay, okay. In Toy Story. I can catch that. Nice little reference. Yep. Uh so yeah. Meanwhile, the elves and Charlie are throwing snowballs at the, the toy soldiers, which is enough to... I mean, it is. <laughs> it gets into a full-on, like, riot. Like, they're going around town, dumping more tinsel and stuff like that. But, yeah, it, it's it's definitely the least effective out of everything going on. It's, it's one of these th- things that uh, always is a problem with these sort of kids' movies, is that your big climax, because the action is... Because it's not an action director directing it, right? Because it's mm-hmm. a, otherwise a lighthearted kids movie. Is that the actual big set piece at the end where you, you have something like this isn't actually ever that entertaining. It all just kind of blends together yeah. in my mind and there's not much to really talk about. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, for, I have, like, tons of notes on just the individual setup scenes, but by the time it gets down to there, I think I have, like, one line saying, like, big fight scene doesn't look <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, there's not much to really say. I mean, it's far more interesting to get to the part afterwards where, okay, everything's fine, I've got my Santa outfit back on, I need to go deliver all these toys, and then someone's like, psst, Santa, what about the whole wife thing? Is it, oh, yeah. What about that whole plot we nearly wrote out of a movie? Come on. Oh, yeah, um, so I kind of need to, like, get married, or I can't be Santa anymore, and, like, mm. this is the thing, like, I get this is not obviously his decision, but, like, what is she supposed to say when he says... If I don't get a wife before midnight, then there'll be no Christmas and no kids will get any toys and they'll all stop believing. I mean, to be fair, that was the exact same reasoning they used to make him Santa that, in no, the last true, movie. True. He he is also a victim of this uh, manipulative tactic. Yeah. But like, if she said no, she like 
like people would villainize her. Like you, you just oh, ruined yeah. Christmas. I would love to see the alternate cut of this movie where she says no, and then like it just fades to black, and then it fades back up, and there's a news reporter being like, "Millions of children are weeping across America." <laughs> and the elves as well. I can just imagine the elves all crying and like holding the the, the, yep. the unfinished toys in their hands, rocking back and, it and just, forth. Just ends on Ave Maria as the North Pole slowly <laughs> fades to white. Uh, but of course, uh, she she says yes when he eventually asks her properly. But and I do want to point out that the the when they are all tied up, like when mm-hmm. Charlie arrives, they specifically say nineteen minutes to Christmas. So all of this, the stopping Santa, taking out the wooden soldiers, proposing, getting married, happen in nineteen minutes. That's a lot to happen in 19 minutes, especially since they it, get they get in, uh, you know, Mother Nature and the t- they get all these people back yeah. in for the wedding, you know? Yeah, they put on wedding clothes for both her and him. Yeah, and she actually asks, like, right before she agrees to it, she's like, is there a school here? You know, idea, like, is there something for me to do? He's like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, well, they need a new teacher, actually. Yeah, sure, anyway, uh... And I'm like, what, are a bunch of the elves who are technically, like, you know, a thousand years old going to pretend to be idiot children so, so that she's got something to do? I mean, I can I can imagine that a bunch of those elves probably don't know basic, like, math and literature. They Hold only that, know sure. carpentry. Uh, that's, that's entirely possible, uh, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically she's like, yeah, uh, don't be too late, honey. And he raids off in the sleigh, and it's, you know, she, she's now the, the, the North Pole housewife, effectively. Yep. Um, and there is a there is a post, not post-credits, but during credits scene yeah. showing her just, you know, in the Mrs. Claus entire, just having fun. So. And it looks like they've put a bit of, either they've given her a really puffy outfit, or the, the, the idea is that she's also, like, puffed up to, to be yeah. like Mrs. Claus. Uh, don't know and she's like, dancing to a song and then there's another little tag with uh, the toy Santa who'd have shrunk down mm. to toy size and he's like in a shop window uh, yep sort of happily matching, matching one of those same toy Santas from the beginning of the movies he's like hey guys dance like this this is the best way to do it yeah so I mean it wasn't torture right it wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't the worst thing ever to watch it, it's definitely more kid focused there's definitely some more silly stuff and you know, Comet, like, making himself fat, comically fat on, like, chocolate, right. and then, like, making this weird, like, talking noise that Tim Allen can understand. You know, mm-hmm. like, In fairness, looking back on it now, that is kind of like Tim Allen's grunts that he does. <laughs> That's probably why he could understand it. To be fair, he didn't grunt himself in this movie, though. He did it no, once in the last movie, but he didn't do it yeah. in this. So. Restraint. Strange to see. Yeah, because it happens every episode of Home Improvement, maybe multiple times <laughs> per episode. And those are like 22 minutes once you take out the ads. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's uh, quite a difference, quite a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think uh, in sort of a summary, I'd say that it's the, much like the first movie, but it's even more guilty of it, is it was just it feels like the script is kind of just gutted to get it yeah. down to 90 minutes and mm-hmm. it's it's missing some extra layers that it could have and that's not, again i'm not saying that you have to make it a serious movie i'm saying that in its own tone and its own light-hearted realm it could still be a better movie with a, a better script and oh yeah more fulfilling character arcs and, and plot points that that pay off uh, as it is it's 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 perfectly watchable. i mean i'm not gonna watch it again you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was perfectly watchable right 
Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I'd love to see some behind the scenes on this of like first draft, second draft, and just see at what point, if maybe it was at the beginning, maybe they did genuinely start with like the G rating and like wanting to make this more aimed towards kids than families. Mm. But I think that there was a point where this whole toy Santa subplot was added in. I don't think it was naturally organically there from the beginning. They were just like, hey, why not make it so that something's going on at the North Pole while we're in the South? Because there is easily an entire climax where they're like racing against the clock to get married or something yeah, like yeah. that. That's enough. Yeah, that, that's absolutely enough is just to race against the clock to get married and get back to the North Pole so they can, you know, get right. Christmas going. Like that, that would absolutely be enough. And I, I think, yeah, it's probably a studio note. Not so much that they wanted the movie to be more kiddie per se, although that's definitely how it's ended up. But yeah. I, I think it's just a case of, well, the first movie had, like, the Christmas at the start, the Christmas at the end, and there was all these magical things happening in both. I think maybe in the script writing phase, there was probably a note of, like, there needs to be more, like, Christmassy magic stuff happening. And that's where, yeah. okay, we have to have this subplot there at the North Pole, so there's always this stuff to cut back to. Yeah, because I imagine that that whole you have a limited amount of magic thing was probably around from the beginning to add that extra bit of tension as well. And that would easily make it a thing of like, we we are not going to make a sequel to this magical heartfelt film where we're not doing any magic. We need to have that around. So that was probably a studio note at some point. It's also a bit weird to me that they kind of waste this idea of a council of all these mythical characters like getting together. Mm -hmm. That that almost feels like it could be the setup for a whole sequel. Is just I mean, there is a third one that's now involving Jack Frost, so they could all be coming back. Seems like he's the arch nemesis of Santa, (laughs) based on the poster. I mean, this is the one I haven't seen either, so I I don't know what's getting into it. I, I really don't know myself. Based uh, off the name, if I had to assume the plot, I think that it's Santa wants to leave the job and Jack Frost like tricks him into doing it so that he then becomes Santa. Mm. That's my guess. And he's going to... He's going to mess it all up. Do cause... it poorly, intentionally, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, I don't know what else to say about Santa Claus 2. Although we've actually got, we're only 85 minutes somehow, so clearly we had enough to talk about. So David, why don't you rate Santa Claus 2 out of 10? All right. Um, So yeah, I I definitely went into this with more nostalgia, I think, more so than anything else. And trying to be objective, trying to sit down and watch it, it definitely doesn't live up to my memories of it, which I don't think it ever could. Because, you know, as a kid, it's just like, ah, look at the funny stuff it's it's not bad it's not a horribly made film it doesn't have anything that's like a bad moral for kids or a bad christmas message or anything like that it's just kind of by the numbers and a little bit soulless in a lot of ways where i really praise the first one for having that really heartwarming message it just had that feeling of it of like no here's a guy and his kid and it like really all comes together this one just felt like hey, here's some adventures Santa got up to since you last saw him. Like, it doesn't feel like there's anything else there. So if I had to rate it out of 10, I think that this one is a 5.5. And the only reason I put it above just that center median mark of 5 is that it is still fun. 
it is still it has some moments to it while it does look cheap and that definitely takes away from it it does still have a certain just you know i don't want to say timelessness but a certain yeah it's it's a fun movie to watch it has it's not taking itself too seriously it's not doing anything that's too over the top stupid it's just a hey here's something for the kids this time why not yeah which is interesting because what kids love is a a good romance plot which is why i think it was so toned down that's what i'm saying (laughs) Uh, this is a romance plot in the same way that like i don't even know like how the uh first movie as we compared was the kafka-esque transformation (laughs) where it's like yeah technically you could say it's a romance but it's more so just of necessity yeah, uh, I don't know what you're expecting from me, but I, I think I'm actually going to agree with that and say 5.5 as well. Yeah, uh, it's it's just you know it's just over the line and that it's likable enough. Uh, there's the odd joke that works. There's definitely some kiddie stuff that doesn't, and there's definitely a bunch of things we can sit and you know break apart the script and say, oh, this is all the things that's kind of doing incorrectly <laughs> in some way. But um, yeah, it's just not a painful experience. So yeah. Uh, and is even kind of likable at times, and that's about as positive as I'm willing to be. So, uh, kind of likable at times. Put it on the box. <laughs> so there you go. That's Santa Claus too. Uh, our joint rating, though, which is uh, does it make the cut? Okay. I know I have to leave this off. I'm, I, if I try to throw it to you, you're going to throw it back at me. So I'll just go ahead and say, I'm not. I'm not super attached to it. But I do think that this cuts it close. I think that it is still worth having around in the sense of like a holiday film collection. But it definitely is nowhere near the quality of the last one. So you want to do cut it close. Yes. Uh... And don't push me because I will fall very easily. <laughs> I don't. I, I just. I don't know if a five point five. You know, not not that the number rating's always necessarily going to correlate with what I'm right. going to say with the next bit, but I just. I don't know if this is something that uh, I would say is cutting the close. I I, I I might say cut from the collection, and that it's not worth having. Not that it's not worth okay. watching, but not worth having. Fair enough. If we're talking about purchasing, if someone went out of their way and said, I'm going to buy the Santa Claus 2, I'd be like, why? You you sure you don't want to just rent that? You sure you don't want to have that? That's fair enough. If we're viewing it through that. But I do think that in terms of holiday films, you can do a hell of a lot worse. I think that this is still pretty up there in terms of a nice feeling story holiday wise. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning as well. Not that I think we should consider this when we're making this choice, but I'll just add on as a as an additional point is that okay. with something like this, this is always going to be on Disney Plus. It's always going oh, to yeah. be there. Uh, yeah, so, absolutely. You know, uh, at that point, I'm like, yeah, you, 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 don't, <laughs> don't buy Santa Claus two, you fool. So, there you go. That's uh, that's just us on the Santa Claus two. Uh, yep. Which obviously leaves the third one uh, to go, and also um, it might have already been up by now. It probably has our bonus mm-hmm. episode, Christmas with the Cranks, over on Patreon, yep. which uh, all patrons from two dollars and up will get access to. 
Uh, so make sure you go and have a look if you're interested in that. And it also helps support the show and support all the content that we can make on Mail Fuzz Movies and Mail Fuzz TV, uh, where, you know, we have the Collector's Cut, where we go through franchises and movies, but we also have the Atomic Cinema Experiment, which is the sci-fi movie podcast, and Screams After Midnight, which is the horror movie podcast. Uh, so check those out if you haven't uh, already. But, um, yeah. Uh, other than that, though, I will tell you to... Uh, like and subscribe ding the bell for notifications those things help us out a lot as well um they help spread the word you can get us at streams midnight on twitter and of course rate us highly on your podcast app if you're on itunes give us five stars and a nice review that helps us out too all those things are, are very useful and help the show continue along and grow and find more people all of which is greatly appreciated I'm on the verge of quitting right now if we don't get some more five star ratings. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's 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 basically it. So you know, obviously this is a shorter series for December, uh, this mm-hmm. little Christmas trilogy, um, and as uh, the re- we're recording this a bit in advance, so we're mm-hmm. actually recording this like a day before we'll know what the vote winner is. But mm-hmm. by the time this goes out, I'm sure it'll be heavily announced. So yes. uh, look forward to the next uh, you know, January's uh, selection of movies. We, we will officially announce it next episode. Yes. Yes. So thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies. And um, are you naughty? Are you nice? Tough tits. You get a lump of coal anyway. <laughs>